G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. It is called the most famous sermon in history. And in today's program, we're going to see the tail end of that sermon and how you can build your life on the rock. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1 a verse-by-verse audio commentary, which is part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. Now, we are coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' wonderful and very famous, justly so, explanation about so many things of life. Basically, it's about kingdom of God living here and now. Very high standards, and though much beloved, not just in Christendom, but beyond, yet when you Consider it, it is more rigorous than the law of Moses. And ultimately, the only way to fulfill these wonderful principles is to partner with God and let Christ be Savior and Lord of your life. So we are going to deal with Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 27. And we're going to look at all these verses, but I want to focus in particular on verse 21, the very first verse of this segment. And it's a sobering verse, one that should cause us to pause, take stock, and make whatever adjustments we need so we are on the right side of God. So in Matthew seven twenty-one, Jesus makes this telling statement, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So much is said in only a few words, which is, of course, the way Jesus speaks, but it's also indicative of Greek. As Hebrew in the Old Testament, you can say many words in English that is summarized in one or two words of Greek. Here Jesus is telling us, It's not the people who merely call him Lord, even Lord on many occasions, that are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The ones that will enter in are those that do God's will in heaven. It's as simple as that. So what is it about Jesus's words that we need to take pause? There is a saying that it's not enough to talk the talk. That means the Bible talk, the Christian talk, the talk of the things that would please God verbally. It's not enough. We have to walk the walk. We have to actually do what God says. 
Because to talk the talk and not walk the walk makes us living a double standard and a life of hypocrisy. And if you ever studied the Gospels, you know what Jesus thinks of hypocrites, almost as if the hottest place in hell is reserved for them. That's the implication when you hear his statements, which he says several occasions throughout the Gospels. And it's usually people of the religious elite. He doesn't seem to say it of rank sinners. He doesn't seem to say it to pagans like the Roman centurion or the Syrophoenician woman. He says it to religious elite or establishment of his day. So we don't want to be caught short. The kingdom of heaven must be our goal. How do we enter into the kingdom of heaven? What you'll see here is that the way to enter in is to do the will of God in heaven, not just call him Lord, but actually obey what he says. We will also learn that Jesus speaks about the judgment day, because he uses that phrase, in that day. People will come to him claiming to have served him and done many wonderful works, and he'll say, I never knew you, and depart from me. We'll learn more about that. He then talks about the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man builds his house on the rock and the foolish man on the sand. Those on the rock survive and thrive, those on the sand destroyed. How do you get to the rock? How do you stay on the sand? Well, it has also something to do with obedience to the word of God. I look forward to sharing all of this with you in the next few moments. I want to read to you now the whole passage of Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 27. Our lesson is called Sermon on the Mount, on the Rock, and again the portion is Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 27. So let's listen carefully to the word of the Lord. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew thee. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. A reading is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 27, and our lesson is called Sermon on the Mount, on the Rock little correction here is actually Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 29. All right, let's begin with that first verse. 
very sobering. Not everyone who says to Jesus, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, merely invoking the name of Christ, giving mental assent to his saving work in the gospel, or speaking of his lordship, doing of good works in a Christian context. None of these things by themselves or even collectively are sufficient to cause you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is what you do more than what you say that will cause you to enter in. Now, of course, don't get me wrong. We do have to say certain things. We have to confess a good confession. In fact, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, we have to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. Absolutely. But we also need to believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we shall be saved. Having said that, once we are saved, God wants good fruit to come out of our lives, and good fruit comes through obedience to his word. Walk the walk, and don't just merely talk the talk. Then in verse 22 of Matthew 7, Jesus speaks about in that day. Many will say unto him. I believe he's referring to the day of judgment. He returns, he sorts things out, he cleans up the mess that has been happening all the time that we've had human government or man in charge. And so in that day, the professing Christian will say that he or she prophesied in the name of Jesus, that he or she cast out demons in his name, that he or she did many mighty works. Did this really happen? Could people be doing works for Christ but not really be close to Christ? or he doesn't own them as such? And I want to say the answer is yes, I believe it is possible, because they are describing what we call the gifts of the Spirit, which, by the way, are wonderful and to be encouraged. They are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, but also throughout the Bible. These are wonderful gifts, but they are not by themselves an endorsement of divine favor upon the individual. They're not even necessarily a sign of great personal spirituality. Now, they can be, but they can also not be. For example, I've known people who move in what we would call a prophetic ministry who don't necessarily know the Bible all that well. It seems amazing, but it's true. Because remember, these are gifts. You don't earn them. You just happen to be in the position to be touched of God to use them. But again, that's not saying that you're walking with God closely or know him. Well, a very good example of that is King Saul. He was murderously pursuing David. He came among a group of prophets, and then he began to prophesy. And in fact, he did it so well that they actually asked, is Saul among the prophets? The answer is no, he's not. Or at least he was among them momentarily, but he soon departed from them because he was still on the trail chasing after David to pursue him. I mean, this man was as backslidden as you could get but yet he could exercise spiritual gifts if put in the right position. But also consider this. Jesus sent his disciples, often in pairs, to go out and preach the gospel and to do signs and wonders. Guess who was among that company? Judas Iscariot, the traitor. What did Jesus say about Judas? He said, better for that man if he had never been born. Well, I would say that here again, is a confirmation of the disconnect of somebody moving in supernatural giftings 
and yet not knowing God. And then, of course, let's face it, in heathenism, and that's just a broad term here, there are some who could move in supernatural gifts as well, but that doesn't mean they know God. So, yes, it is possible for the putative Christian to be doing gifts, and yet they're not walking with the Lord. So, Jesus then says in Matthew seven twenty three. I will profess unto them, the them are the people who call him Lord, but they really not doing the will of the Father in heaven. It will be a big shock when Jesus tells such people, I never knew you. Now, some say that Jesus actually meant, I never approved of you or endorsed you. Well, he may have meant that as well, but I'll just take it at face value. He's saying, you did not know me. And your paradigm was religion, not relationship. You had doctrine of the head, but not the heart. Even though you said you moved in the spirit, it was the spirit of the world and not the spirit of God. You were only born of the flesh and not born of the spirit. The real indicator of the condition of heart of these putative Christians is that Jesus told them, depart from me, you who work iniquity. When there is this disconnect between spiritual gifts and carnal living and action, and it is persistent, consistent, without a pang of conviction, and without a shred of repentance, that person is caught in the net of iniquity. Now, of course, there is a way out, but it's before we meet with Jesus, not after. And that way out is repentance towards God, faith towards Christ, confessing Christ as Savior and Lord, the new birth, and unless these things happen, no one will be exonerated from sin and iniquity, even if they are seemingly moving in spiritual gifts. What's even worse is the separation from Christ will be permanent and, I hate to say it, terrifying. So this is why we need to get it right, and in order to get it right, we need to know the Word of God. Matthew 7, verse 24. Here we have a portion of scripture that means a lot to me personally, a lot to our ministry. It's actually the basis or title of the radio program called On the Rock. So let's now go a little deeper here on this very fundamental thing. As Jesus is winding up the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew seven twenty-four, the wise man, as the book of Proverbs constantly exhorts, get wisdom get knowledge, get understanding. This is not just a good idea. It is a God idea and a lifesaver. A wise man is prudent, embraces understanding, exercises shrewdness, and most of all, in order to become wise in the first place, listens to the words and wisdom from others, especially from God. Now, in order to be wise, we have to hear and do the words of Jesus, and by extension, the words of God found in Scripture. Such a wise man is building their house on the rock. They have a sure foundation that will withstand all of life's storms. Now, in Matthew 7, 25, here is the benefit of hearing and doing the words of Jesus and building your life on the rock. There will be rains. There will be floods from such rains. There will be wind that blows, and it will be fierce. But the house 
or the life that is built on the rock will keep standing strong and tall because of that sure, deep foundation. I was born in the state of California, and it has been known as earthquake country. And I would, in primary school, not only have to do air raid drills because it was during the Cold War, but I sometimes had to do earthquake drills because, well, of the earthquakes. Fortunately, I was never in a super major California quake. My mother was. She told me she could hear the the ground growling under her. Her bed went all over the room. The chandelier was swinging like a clock pendulum, and it lasted for one terrifying minute with frequent aftershocks for the rest of the day. That's not very nice. But at least in California, they learned to have deep foundations and buildings that sway like palm trees, but do not collapse. Probably they learned it out of hard experience. Well, that's what we have too. We may shake and sway, but we will not collapse. We have a sure foundation found in Jesus. Matthew seven twenty six. Beware, O fool, because on the reverse side, to hear and to refuse or defy the words of Jesus renders a person foolish. That's the word he uses. And that foolish person is doing what? They're building their life on the sand. Proverbs says the same thing that the fools who are hellbound refuse and reject the words of wisdom. And Proverbs does talk about abomination, and it talks about hell on several occasions. So wisdom is not just something you do to live a better life here and now, but it's also so you will have the promise of life in eternity. And so what happens to the fool who builds their life on the sand? Matthew seven twenty seven. that same weather hits the house, the wind, the waves, and the flood, and the result is very different to those on the rock. There is total destruction, great and irreversible. Matthew seven twenty eight. we now come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus finished, the people stood back, and they were astonished at his doctrine. Now, the very next verse, 29, explains why. Jesus taught as one that had authority and not like the scribes. What brings such authority? Well, first, Jesus taught God's word and not just man's interpretation. Two, Jesus went deep, not shallow. Three, Jesus had the anointing because he's the anointed one. The word of God has its own built-in authority. When you preach the word, then you have authority too. Receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you too will give astonishing messages. Now our lesson is called Sermon on the Mount on the Rock and our lesson for life is hear and do the words of Jesus and you'll be on the rock, kingdom bound and graced with authority. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. And also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter. We want to help you to become future-ready with articles from the Bible, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Christ for Matthew, for the Sermon on the Mount and the successful conclusion thereof. We want to be wise people by building our lives on the rock, and we do that by hearing and doing your word. Help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers alone, deceiving ourselves, as James says, knowing that we can be future-ready 
and live a life that is future-friendly in Christ's name. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.